Does anybody remember who brought up the all men are trash hashtag? I forget who, but somebody put it in the group chat and then we had the, this three day long discussion about whether or not that was okay or not. I don't know if I remember exactly, but I, <laughs> but I know that when the topic came up again, when you brought it up, Amen, mm-hmm. I was hype all over again. I was like, I, like there's a lot that needs <laughs> to be right. said about this. It was probably something we found on social media. Maybe Rami tried to provoke us because yeah, he'll do that so. sometimes. He's trying to provoke us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big time instigator. I guess it's only fair now that since I'm the instigator, I have to explain myself a bit, right? That's right. <laughs> you know, if we're trying to make this, you know, five person conversation, 18 person group chat turn into hundreds, thousands, millions of men having this conversation, they're probably asking the same question as you. Mm-hmm. How does this statement, men are trash, apply to me? And it sounds on the forefront like it doesn't. So I'm just going to ignore it. So that's Rami. He's one of the founding members of the Muslim Masculinity Project. And by extension, this group chat that I'm in with other Muslim guys, where we talk about being well, Muslim guys. We're constantly throwing links and memes in the pot and seeing where the discussion takes us. And a few weeks ago, Rami asked what everyone thought of the hashtag men are trash. It's this thing that comes up on the internet a lot. But we've seen it weaponized to the point where Facebook suspended some women for 30 days for hate speech, for including it in their posts. My text chain exploded when it came up. So I brought in five of us into the studio, Rami, Rayhan, Omar, Shayful, and me, to talk about it. It's perfect because the debate we're having, in some ways, defines the entire experience I've had making this show. Hello and welcome to Man Up. I'm your host, Eamon Ismail, and I'm heartbroken to tell you this, but this will actually be our final episode. Believe me, I'm as sad as you are. This has been a dream project for me where I got to ask questions I genuinely didn't have the answer to and got to hear what manhood looks like from people who were also not sure if they were doing this whole manhood thing right. I like to think we've been looking for guidance and validation all at the same time, and this podcast has done that for me, and it's really been an honor. And that brings us to the debate we're having. How fitting that this last week will take on the question that's been looming behind every episode of Man Up. Is what we're doing here by asking questions about masculinity and often finding fault in it, ultimately just tearing masculinity down? And if that's the case, is it necessary for building up a better version of it? I hear this all the time. I have a lot of thoughts about it, and I'm realizing the uneasy feelings men are trash provokes in this group gets to the heart of the issue. We'll discuss this and then turn the tables on me when we come back to this final episode of Man Up. Hello, Slate listeners. We have an important message for you. By now, you probably know about Slate's membership program, Slate Plus. It's a subscription that gives you ad-free versions of every Slate podcast. You can get this show and others like Dear Prudence and The Political Gap Fest all without any ad breaks. But if you're a reader of Slate as well as a listener, you might have noticed that Slate.com recently installed a paywall. So we wanted you to know that a Slate Plus membership will also give you access to everything on our website. From our recent coverage of the coronavirus to Who Counts, our ongoing investigation into whose voices will be left out of the 2020 election. We're committed to keeping you informed about everything this year has in store. 
and your support is extremely important to helping us continue this important work. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash plus. And if you're already a member, just log in at slate.com slash login. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I totally empathize with the fact that this hashtag even needs to exist. Because there are just men out there who are trash, objectively. But on the other side of it, I feel like as if we're trying to include ourselves in this movement it feels a little like we're shooting ourselves in the foot like if i were to say to somebody else all men are trash what i'm saying is i'm trash and i don't feel like trash well i think trash is a difficult word with some damaging connotations (laughs) that's rayhan but i think it represents that either that we're flawed or that we have engaged in behavior that's negative and harmful, not just to women, but also to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of women complain, you know, it's like, you got to heal yourself, right? Before you can come holler at me, right? Yeah, Something yeah. like that. Yeah, like we've heard stuff like this. And that's what I'm trying to say where there's personal work that has to be done. Yeah, I mean, this is Omar. You know, because all men benefit from male and masculine privilege, We all, at some point, are complicit in the patriarchy. At best, we have some trash tendencies. Mm. I think I might be the youngest person in the room. Maybe Mm. I'm 21. And this is shameful. I feel like it implores you to look more into things and really get you thinking about uh, what it means to be a a man and what it means to be a man who has... Who has to take accountability for certain things, mm-hmm. and um, like I, I get that like certain men might see this and they might be young and impressionable, and it might it might push them in a route that makes things worse. But personally, for me, I think that like things like this really, really allow me to to look into why a hashtag like this would go viral. And like how how this could lead to us being more accountable for the actions that stem for something like this. I mean, so this is a Muslim ch- group chat, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about that context and how maybe maybe I'm forcing it, but just hear me out. As Muslims, we deal a lot with generalizing, and we know how hurtful it could be mm-hmm. when people expect us as Muslims to be held accountable for the worst Muslims around the world. I spent my entire life trying to convince people that I'm not a terrorist. So why am I inclined to feel comfortable with a phrase that's meant to make me feel accountable for men that aren't me? I mean, similarly, right, to to make the Muslim analogy, like, I don't need to come out every day and say that, you know, condemn every terrorist act. Mm -hmm. Right? But we do find ourselves in that role. I don't like the comparison. Because, like, there's no one in this room that has engaged in terroristic acts. Mm -hmm. But there are, like, we are all complacent in Mm -hmm. patriarchy. So I think that's important to point out. 
So all generalizations are not equal, and some are more factual. Right, right. <laughs> That's really interesting. Can we yeah. uh, can we take a step back? Um, there's a difference between disliking the statement and not like when I say I dislike the statement, all men are trash. It does not mean I don't want to uplift women. Mm-hmm. It just comes with like a lot of assumptions about me as an individual. Uh, when I hear that statement, when other guys hear that statement, that just doesn't allow for room to like. What if a guy wants to you know help a woman out? He's, he wants to help the movement. He wants to, you know, give them a position or whatever it might be in society to help them thrive. Uh, but then he hears, you know, all men are trash. And I think this it's kind of a weird expectation that Omar kind of laid out that the expectation should be that this man should be reflective and inquisitive of himself and reflect. Maybe he doesn't want to be that, you know? Does anyone here co-sign the phrase and agree with it wholly? Absolutely. Mm. Myself, Definitely. That's why you saw me in the group chat. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. here. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting hype. I also, Cole, I don't, I don't, it doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. And when I'm around a group of women and they say men are trash, um, like, say what you got to say. And, and right. that that's how you feel. And that's, they're expressing life experiences that I will never, ever be able to relate to. I won't say I, I don't find it hurtful in certain ways, because obviously if someone came up to me and were like, uh, you're a man and you're trash, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be taken aback. But my response can be to, to like, really, really aggressively uh, be like, oh, like, you know, not all men I have sisters and all this mm. extra stuff that guys usually say, right? Right. Or I can be like, hmm, like, what can I be doing better as a man? Like, I think that language is super important in getting us to be more active and really pushing pushing us forward as a society and um, it's about leaving that comfort zone and really sticking up for what's right. And that's why regardless or not, if I'm offended by the term, it doesn't matter to me. Like it's, it's more so about amplifying the voices of women. I, I really like what you said just now. I, I feel like you swayed me. <laughs> Cause uh, <laughs> yeah. I know when we started, I was, I was thinking like, Oh man, this is offensive and I feel excluded. But now I think, you're you're helping me understand that's maybe the point. Can I disagree a bit? Sure. Okay, great. Sure. So uh, it's not like I wholly disagree or anything, but I kind of, personally, I'm always taking a step back and looking at the collective movement, right? Like in my eyes, like I see as being like harmony between the sexes, not necessarily like competition. So when I hear like men are trash, like I fe- personally feel like that takes us away from this world where people can like work together and collaborate with one another and like acknowledge their genuine emotions. Cause you're basically saying like one opinion matters more than the other. At least that's what I hear. And I think that's what a lot of other men hear too, specifically in the case of men are trash. There's a saying in organizing spaces that those who are oppressed are closest to the solution. And if you listen to those who are oppressed, whether it be women, whether it be folks who live in formerly colonized countries, whether you listen to people of color, that involves exceeding power, right? And I think when that happens, it gets deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it's actually painful, but that's the point. That's the point. Yeah. That is, that's the point. Trash means you're throwing something out, literally. You don't need it anymore Mm. so when you hear that do you feel that you are not needed 
you know, like you've never retrieved anything from the trash. Is that just me? Oh, that's I don't look through. I don't look through it. I gotta separate my recycling sometimes. I mean, it's gotta... not men are recycling. <laughs> I mean, sure, but I, I just yeah. feel like trash is just a shorter word for the hashtag. Right, right. right so right. Oh, I, it's I not as. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I say a lot of things are trash. I'm just yeah. like, damn, like I'm late. Train is trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. But I can see the I can see the difficulties. Yeah. Right. I can see if if a man is being truly introspective. Yeah. I would imagine that they get to this point of like, am I worth throwing out? Am I worth? Am I not worth anything yeah. to be kept? And while there is some merit to the statement that, you know, the non-men of the world don't need us, um, and there are plenty of spaces in which they don't need us, maybe we need to know where those places are. Mm. We need to acknowledge that maybe I don't need to help this young woman parallel park, mm. just like every other dude on the street who, mm. like, sees anybody trying to parallel park. <laughs> uh. Maybe yeah. I'm the only one who notices that. I have another thought now because I'm thinking back to the Muslim metaphor and how angry I get at terrorists for fucking with our reputation as Muslims. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's probably the better reaction to have to this hashtag. Is I'm not going to be angry at the women who are using it. I'm going to be angry at the men who are fucking up our reputation. Of course. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like, why is it that we're getting angry at women for expressing their experience and the way that they seem fit to express it? Like, why is it that we aren't correcting other men on their on their behaviors? Like, because it may not be you, right? It may not they their idea of like who might hurt them or something may not be you. Why are you okay with it being someone else? And I, I don't think the hashtag is solely there to make men feel a certain way. I think it's there because it's supposed to get people talking about, like, you know, mm-hmm. about what we're doing here. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I like thinking about it as the beginning of a conversation. Maybe this is like a nice rallying cry that women identify with and they feel like they can use because it gets to the core of what they've been dealing with it's a call to action right and as allies it almost sounds like our job is to create our own little side hashtag to be like it's okay to feel like trash or something like that to keep the conversation going wow i love that because as soon as you said that you felt antagonized i was like i'm here to feel antagonized with you mm-hmm. because I was there I still am sometimes there by the feedback I get maybe at work maybe at home mm-hmm. from mom maybe <laughs> from my partner there's a pretty famous tweet and forgive me for not knowing the source mm-hmm. I really should um, something like behind every woke man is a hundred tired feminists mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. so I don't I like need to that. be one I don't need to be a hundred I don't need to be the like the hundredth one that like oh you finally changed your mind mm-hmm. or the first one and like there's a lot of effort that goes in I just gotta be one of them mm-hmm. we got five of them here that's five of them mm-hmm. and I think some more hashtags you can include hashtag we won't always be trash mm-hmm. <laughs> inshallah yeah <laughs> hopefully hopefully yeah We're going to take one last break, and when we come back, we're going to try and get some closure. My editors and producers, as usual, have a few questions for me. Hopefully, this doesn't turn into a roast. Stick around. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I've been working with you for a long time, Eamon. And when I, the first time I ever met you was when you came into Slate's office for a job interview and you were wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and holding a skateboard on your side. And it's fair to say that that's different than a lot of people come to Slate for interviews. Yeah, I guess. I had a tip on my shoulder because I just finished working at this graffiti magazine and I was in the shit, you know, in the New York City underbellies. And so when I walked into Slate, I was thinking to myself, I'm a valuable street smart person. (laughs) So the guy that I'm talking to here is Jeffrey Bloomer. He's the features editor at Slate and worked on Man Up as one of our editors. Before this show, though, we both worked on a docuseries at Slate. So we've been working together for the past five years now, and I'd say that he knows me better than anyone else here. I'm wondering about how your evolution at the magazine strikes you now. Like, what would happen if, you know, 10 years ago or so, you told that guy that you were, that you'd be hosting a podcast talking all about masculinity and your feelings in a decade? Like, what would you have said? Uh, I'd be really excited about it, man. I mean, I'm the kind of person that's excited about things that I don't fully know about or understand. So uh, I would say that I feel more mature now, you know? Uh, I feel like I'm well-versed in the kind of language that you need to have conversations about masculinity. It took me a long time to be ready to be vulnerable on audio. And it sucks because I feel like now that the season's over, I'm just getting into the swing of learning to open myself up and be curious and allow myself to be wrong so that I can actually go on some kind of journey. And uh, yeah, it's something that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. So before the show, if people don't know, um, we I produced a docuseries with you where you would go into the house of um, like right-wing propagandists and ask them about like the Islamophobia that they're spreading oh, yeah, via websites times. and other things. Good times. Right. Well, the thing about that is I was with you at all of those interviews and I swear you felt more comfortable going into those people's houses and sitting with them than you did half the time talking with these guys about their issues. And well, I, there's and a I'm reason talking, for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering what is the reason? Well, the reason is as a Muslim person talking to non-Muslims who are afraid of you, you, you have a lot of practice doing that. You do that when you're 13, 14, all the way up to now when I'm 30. I've been doing that nonstop. You talk to a lot of Muslim kids who grew up in the West, and they're really good at it. So it's so different than talking about ideas of like wanting to protect yourself from other men or wanting to, to not expose your vulnerability to other men. Like That's something that I've never really had practice talking about. So those two things do feel related in that we're interrogating a way of life, Islam and being a man. But it's different uh, in how your whole life as a Muslim, you're being asked to justify your identity. Or I don't think men have that challenge. Have you learned anything about helping men not resist those conversations? Yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, I, I'd say the first thing is validating people's feelings. You know, um, 
it's uh, one of the biggest reasons why the Who's Afraid, the the video series about Islam was successful was because I wasn't walking in and asking people to change everything that they think about Muslims. It was more like, well, okay, well, let's see if there's any truth to what you're saying. And I think once we get into the swing of things and man up, we're doing a lot of the same work. We're first validating the way people feel. We're allowing them to trust us to interrogate those feelings. And once that trust is established, we can have the real conversation about what it takes to be a man and whether or not all of those rules are fair. So can you tell me what was your absolute favorite conversation that you had in a year of doing this podcast? Over 40 episodes, give or take. What is the one that most taught you about the subject or yourself or, you know, sort of the focus of the show overall? Mm. I would say the episode that I had the most fun recording was with Danielle Hewitt when we had that little intervention because I was on Twitter <laughs> beefing with people. Uh, that's a, kind of like a habit that I had. I'm saying had because after that episode, I was actually reformed. I came out better for it. I stopped starting uh, squabbles on Twitter because of uh, Danielle's blunt interrogation. We should specify that what you're specifically referring to was the time that you were being brigaded on right-wing Twitter, which wasn't your, really your fault, I don't think. You were being a little provocative, but... Um, yeah, but they were being racist. People, so. Yes, they were being right, exactly. Um, but in response to that, you tweeted out your home address, if I recall. Not my home. Uh, <laughs> home vicinity location What did area. you tell them what your block was in Newark? <laughs> I told him at a wide intersection that was within a two-block radius from my house. It wasn't my address. But yeah, it was it was one of the reason the reason why I did that was because this person was threatening to fight me. And as a kid, I don't like backing I don't I don't back down from fights because you're inviting more people to try and challenge you to fight because they think it's easy. And so I wanted to hold my ground, but it's Twitter, so it's meaningless. That being said, I live in Newark, New Jersey. The kinds of people who read right-wing Twitter are not going to come to Newark, New Jersey at least with their windows rolled down and their doors unlocked. That's just not how it goes down. <laughs> yeah, I personally, as your editor, I'm extremely grateful that you have um, chilled out on Twitter a little bit, mostly just yeah. because I feel like yeah. th that yeah. was not your fault. But in other instances, I do feel like there's been times when you've needlessly got yourself into trouble. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, right. Uh, through this whole process of doing this show, You've always brought up this one idea over and over that you were sure was like a killer episode that we had to do, and it had to do with men tucking in their shirts. Mm -hmm. And for the longest, it became yep. a long-running joke because nobody else understood what the hell you were talking about with this episode. Do you want to take one last chance to shoot your shot? Like, what is the deal yes. with men tucking in their shirts? So for me... When I started tucking in my shirt, it's when I went to college and I really noticed how people saw me as just an Arab kid or a kid who obviously came from the inner city or anything like that. And so for me, tucking in my shirt meant that I was presenting myself as ordinary. You know, I was, I was kind of, it was like a way for me to blend in in a way that I never knew how. And, and so it's like a very loaded thing for me. And, and I know for a fact that it's a loaded thing for other people. So what I was interested in was gauging that, 
having a discussion with anybody else who wanted to talk about the reasons why they, they felt like they felt freer when they untucked or why they felt freer when they did tuck. That would have been such a good episode. I mean, it's got everything. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to smile. You're going to wince. You're going to cringe. This is, this, this is the kind of episode that I might develop a whole new series after. You know, This could be the start of something new. I feel like this is the fullest actual accounting, the first part of that pitch, the laugh cry stuff, like, come on. But the beginning of this pitch was like the clearest sense I've ever got of why you wanted to do this. I guess all we had to do is end the show and you finally explain what the episode could have been. Um, we have Lowen on the line now, who's going to ask you a question. Lowen is um, one of our top editors who was sort yes. of with us from the beginning on the show. So, Eamon, yep, so, ready? Uh, this is probably familiar to you, but I... In our brainstorming meeting, sometimes I would talk about this episode I wanted us to do, which was to get into how you see your job is as the husband. And, you know, I would notice Mm -hmm. that you would kind of talk about Mira, you know, as like somebody you like really wanted to keep working to show that you were chasing her, that you were, you know, putting in extra effort to make sure that she was, you know, excited and I feel like if I told my wife that I felt like my job was to keep chasing her, she would like, you know, give me a rap on the wrist for that. So I would love to hear you talk about what you think the job of the husband is in modern times. And, and if you feel like, you know, uh, being whipped is a, is a part of it, <laughs> so hmm. to speak. I mean, I take issue with being thought of as someone who's whipped. Can I say that? I don't think I'm whipped. Uh, I just really want her to have all her needs met, you know? And it sometimes, you know, is just texting her saying, hey, how's your day going in the middle of a day for no reason? Or or, or coming home with her favorite snack for just because it's Wednesday. I mean, I get it, man. I know, I know what you're trying to say. Uh, but I think that's another thing that I learned from this show was that not everyone's looking for the same job and not everyone wants to be treated the way that they treat others. Some people have different love languages than others. And yeah, it's just what I've found success with. It's how I like to be loved and it's how I like to love. So with someone like my wife, who I plan on loving forever, it's a good way of me demonstrating to her regularly that that hasn't changed because people have insecurities. I have insecurities. We all have insecurities. So what I don't want is for my wife to, to think, oh man, he hasn't done anything special for me in weeks. I wonder if he still loves me. And I'm afraid of that. What you're saying connects to a lot of what I feel like you take away from the work that we've done on the show, which is like there is no monolith, there are no actual rules. And in trying to break down like old rules that we used to assign to masculinity or maleness. Sometimes we create new rules about how you're supposed to behave as like a modern man. And I think the way you put it just now as, you know, it's a lot more individualized and I can get why, you know, you're offensive. The term whipped, you know, kind of speaks to, you know, like the way whipped has a specific connotation, like a specific way you're, you you are or are supposed to be. And so I, I totally hear you on pushing back on that. And I think it's valid. Okay, we have another question from Danielle Hewitt, who was uh, one of our producers when we first launched Man Up and has since moved on to a daily show. But she was definitely in the trenches with Eamon. 
And so she has some thoughts. Danielle. Hello. Um, I think one of the recurring themes of uh, when I was on the show was you saying that you needed to be a provider and a protector for your family. Can you describe what that means and why do you think that was your job and is it inherently a man's mm. role? Mm, mm, mm. Danielle with the hard-hitting questions, man. I feel like I can give you the easy, cheap answer and say this is what my religion instructs me to do. Yeah. Like I had this period where I got like super religious. Uh, I, I had like a Malcolm X moment where I was uh, on, where I was doing community <laughs> service, so I had a lot of time to just like sit in the in the truck and just like read. So I read the Quran <laughs> and I've, I've read that whole chapter over and over again, the ch- Surah to Niset, the chapter for women. And um, yeah, bro, it was just like, here's what you got to do. You got to pay her to marry yeah. her. You, you have to give her inheritance rights. You got to do this. You got to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to take this seriously. This could be my ticket to heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really kill it. I was going to be a great husband. That's what I decided. And so that, that might be yeah. where the the ideas came from, but they definitely evolved as as all things do in practice. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it seems to be that she responds to it, and I noticed that she likes the choice. She likes the option of doing whatever she wants and knowing for sure that there's somebody who's taking care of the the basic needs. You know, she doesn't have to worry about paying rent. She doesn't have to worry about paying for food. She doesn't have to worry about paying for utilities. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like that's her right religiously. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how I, I take it seriously because I see that she responds to it and she enjoys those privileges. So uh, yeah. if she were to respond negatively and say, hey, I really want to pay this, I really want to do that, I'm not going to fight her on it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I've grown to uh, develop a strong relationship with that provider role and that provider mentality because of those two things. Yeah. Thanks, Eamon. Perfect. So uh, we also have a question from Cameron, the show's producer. He's been in the studio for every interview and every minute of tape we've recorded for this podcast. And he has a question about a specific episode, I believe. Yeah. Being present for every interview has been fun. And my question relates to one of my favorite moments in the studio. And it was your first therapy session on tape Mm. with Avi. Mm. I really enjoyed uh, being present for that and seeing what looked like were really genuine revelations in the moment, which was exciting. Um, So I'm wondering, have you been back to therapy since that episode? And if so, what have you discovered about yourself? Uh, I did try therapy after that. Not with Avi, with someone cheaper and in network. And um, I didn't like it. You didn't like it? I stopped it. going after three. I really? gave it three sessions. I gave it three chances. And I kept on telling myself, maybe we're just shaking off the cobwebs. Maybe she's just getting to know me. But one thing that Avi did was he allowed me to put out half thoughts. Yeah. You know, like put out feelings that I wasn't so confident about, but just allow them to simmer than asking me more leading questions so that I can fill those thoughts on my own. And I didn't get that from anybody else. I think Avi is just a particularly good therapist. And it's going to be a while before I find someone else who's just as good. But 
I'm not going to act like therapy doesn't work for me. Obviously, it does. It's just that that one particular therapist that I tried after Avi kind of made me feel insecure, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it was just a lot of dead silence, and I don't like silence so much, especially when I'm throwing myself out there, so. Well, do you think that without Man Up and without being the host of Man Up, without this whole journey, would you have gone to that therapist? Would I have tried therapy at all if not for Man Up? No right. way in hell. Are you crazy? What? Therapy? Me? No, man. Because uh, for the longest time, I thought therapy was for people who were broken, who needed fixing. Yeah. Also, I come from a, a background where therapy is looked down on. And I'm not talking about the Muslim part of it. I'm talking about just the inner city, Newark, New Jersey part of it, where you're supposed to have everything on lock. You're supposed to know what you're doing and you're supposed to be good at what you're doing. Otherwise, you're just not going to be fine. So I'd convinced myself that I had everything under control. And I still feel that way, but I'm willing to go to therapy to learn about the parts of my life that I maybe don't have control over. So maybe uh, I'll, I'll need more therapy sessions to cope with men up being off the air, but uh, but I think we'll be fine for now. Thank you, Cameron. So my last question for you, and I don't want this to make this too lofty, but so sort of specifically, thinking of all the criticisms and the responses and the things people have said to you, and all you've learned from doing this show, if there was one takeaway, one particular thing that you've realized and that you would really hope that people take home with them from listening to this show over 40 episodes, what would it be? Um, I do read the comments, and there's this one particular comment that gets said over and over and over. It basically boils down to this. Why do you feel like you need to tear down manhood so that you can like present yourself as someone smart or liberal or a social justice warrior or as someone who wants to get laid or be a white knight or any, any of this shit. And to me, it, it makes me feel two things. The first thing is it makes me wonder how the show's presenting. If, if you see the show and you listen to the episodes and you think to yourself, these people hate being men or they hate masculinity, then I don't think that we're doing the show correctly. You know, because that's not the point at all. Every every behavior is learned, you know. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to take apart those inherited characteristics for manhood and see what holds up and see what doesn't. And that was that was the intention to see what was real, what mattered and what didn't. And it just frustrates me to no end that it seems to me that there's a lot of people out there who are apprehensive to that kind of criticism because they see a criticism of masculinity as a criticism of all men or a sweeping condemnation of all men, which is not. I mean, that's how we become better men. That's why the show is called Man Up. This is an opportunity for us to be better men. Who wouldn't want that, right? And so if the only way for us to criticize masculinity is if we're also at the same time praising it so that those kinds of people don't feel threatened by it, then we have so much more work to do than I originally thought. It seems like we needed a prelude to the whole series all about why it's okay to criticize masculinity before we got into the nitty-gritty and talked about whether or not 
uh, it's okay for a man to be afraid of doing yoga or a man to be afraid of crying or a man to feel like they have to be the man of the house. Any of these things. And if you're that person and you're listening right now, it's okay. That's valid. That apprehensiveness is valid. But also realize that it's necessary to criticize something in order for it to grow and improve. And so we're doing important work, whether you're on board or not. And that's the show. Whether you've been listening from the very beginning or just tuning in, I want to personally thank you for listening. We've been asking folks to join the conversation and come on the show to explain how they too are a work in progress. So I want to take a second and give a shout out to every person who left a voicemail and sent us an email. This podcast was only possible because of you guys. If you want to share what you thought of the show or just say hi to me and the team, we'll be leaving the Google Voice channel open a little longer. So if you want to, you can leave us a voicemail at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can email us at manup at slate.com. If you like this show, you can help us make more like it by becoming a Slate Plus member. You'll not only get access to ad-free versions of every Slate show, but you'll also be guaranteeing that we make shows that you care about. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. It's produced by Cameron Drews. Our editors are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and June Thomas is a senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.